Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to The Vespers Project. This is Ben Pruitt, your host for this podcast, and this is our 10th episode in Season 2. And we are very close to wrapping up our season. I'm planning to share one more Vespers with everyone this season once I can find the time to manifest it. But for now... I am incredibly thankful for all of the people who contributed to Vespers to this season. Just a reminder, the Ark of E kindly hosts this podcast and makes all of this possible. Any donation on Patreon would make this process a little bit easier. And remember, you can find us at thearcofe at gmail.com, or you can search for the Ark of E directly on Patreon. If you're interested in another podcast with me, I highly recommend Bending Not Breaking, which has over a thousand subscribers at this point. We're analyzing the wonderful show Avatar The Last Airbender, now available on Netflix. And on the show, we laugh, we cry, we learn, and we really hope that you'll come give us a shot if you are a fan of the show. Or really, even if you're not, we would love to have you either way. Now... I want to take time to acknowledge something that, for most of our listeners, is immeasurably difficult. Blue Ridge Leaders School was supposed to begin today, June 13th, 2020. As I write this, the tears well up in my eyes and I can feel my chest constricting with the grief of not just even driving up to the mountain. I'm filled with the loss at the thought of not being able to hug some of my favorite people. And I just want to say to all of us, including myself, that our our pain is real. Do not hide that pain. Do not temper it. Let it be the crucible of compassion as we imagine the pain of all those affected by COVID-19. The Vespers Project today is sharing a Vespers on the lens of anxiety. We wanted to acknowledge the mental strain of this pandemic on everyone, but also highlight the experience of those with mental illness. The stories shared today and the information provided are are not coming from experts, but rather from people with lived experience. So as you listen, listen as a filter rather than a sponge. Join me as we listen to Alexandra Burke's Vespers on Anxiety. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow might be good for something Hold off, 
to be me And talking to myself in public And dodging glances on the train And I know I know they've all been talking about me I can hear them whisper And it makes me think there must be something wrong with me Out of all the hours thinking Somehow I've lost my mind But I'm not crazy, I'm just a little unwell I know right now you can't tell But stay a while and maybe then you'll see A different side of me I'm not crazy, I'm just a little impaired I know right now you don't care But soon enough you're gonna think of me in your head is an everyday battle. Being physically trapped can only improve the predicament. I say this sarcastically, of course, because for those of us who face this dilemma, social distancing is hurting us as much as it could be helping the world. Personally, I enjoy spending most of my time alone. It allows me to have the time and space I need to recharge, be creative, and be myself. But I said most of my time, not all. Like all people, I still need other people. No matter how much I hate admitting that, it's still true. I, an introvert, need to expend my social energy almost as much, sometimes more, than my extrovert husband. I won't admit that, either. But when I'm not able to interact, and more specifically take care of other people, I start to shut down. I feel useless and unneeded. As the saying goes, the pity party don't start till depression walks in. This is where I get a little lost. I start to lose control over my emotions and my anxiety spikes. Even after 10 years of awareness and fighting back, I can't always maintain control. But there's always more to learn and there are always new challenges that will break us. That's why it is so important for us to have a safe place. Sometimes that's an actual place or it's a person. Only you can decide what safe place means for you. It's okay to break and to be vulnerable there. 
You don't have to be strong there. You can let yourself fall apart. Help me. It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't. It isn't in my blood. Laying on the bathroom floor, feeling nothing. I'm overwhelmed and insecure. Give me something I could take to ease my mind slowly. Just have a drink and you'll feel better. Just take her home and you'll feel better. Keep telling me that it gets better. Does it ever help me? It's like the walls are caving in. Sometimes I feel like giving up. No medicine is strong enough. Someone help me. I'm crawling in my skin. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just I could give you the answers, or a magical cure-all. Believe me, I'd probably take it too. But honestly, I'm still figuring it out myself. What it means for me to fight back against anxiety. Fighting to get control looks different for everyone. Sometimes it's taking a walk, or calling a friend to talk you through it. Or maybe what helps is reading the Bible, or some inspirational quotes. Sometimes you might just need to sing really loud in the shower, or punch something. I can attest to both being quite therapeutic. 
Whatever way we fight our mental illness is our own, but that doesn't mean we are alone. Even now, when we are at least six feet apart, we are still going through this together. You're feeling isolated And all kinds of frustrated But I love you as you are I love you as you are, yeah And don't worry about the haters You don't fit in those boxes they create it's tearing you apart, it's tearing you apart, yeah And when you build those walls to keep you safe It's like a prison you can't escape You tear them down, you just might hear me say If you're like me and you need to take care of other people to feel worth, 
Then make a list of all the people that, on a normal day, you see consistently. Use that list to write and send each of them a note, or give them a phone call, or even just a text that you are thinking about them. You can do this daily or weekly. If you have friends that you always work out with, do a yoga session over Zoom. You can also use Zoom to cook and enjoy a meal together. Maybe start a book club, or even write a song together. And then, when you need time alone, you're already in your own space. Do what you need to do. Whatever you can do today is enough. If that is just making yourself some cereal and watching reruns all day, great. Take your time. If that's giving yourself a spa treatment, great. Take your time. If that's throwing paint on the walls, great. If you're throwing a Zoom, FaceTime, or Skype party, great. Do what you need to do. And when you don't know what to do, that's okay. When you can't do anything, that's also okay. We are all handling this in our own way. I can't get through this the same way you are. Just like you can't get through the same way I'm trying to get through this. Like I said, we all fight back in our own way but we are not fighting alone. Your story is important. Don't close the book before it's over. It may be calm before the storm, but after a storm is when you get the best sunrises. I used to live in the darkness Dress in black, act so heartless But now I see the colors are everything Got kaleidoscopes in my hairdo Got back the stars in my eyes too Yeah, now I see the magic inside of me Yeah, maybe my head's fucked up But I'm falling back in love with being alive Dreaming in light, light, lights This kitty cat lost her mind Been looking for a star and sign That I'll be alright Look to the skies found a rainbow, rainbow baby, trust me, I know Life is scary, but just put those colors on, girl Come and play along with me tonight I'd forgot how to daydream So consumed with the wrong things But in the dark, I realized this life is short Deep down I'm still a child Playful eyes wide and wild I can't lose hope What's left of my heart still made of gold And I know that I'm still fucked up But are we all my love, darling? Our scars make us who we are, are. So when the winds are howling strong And you think you can't go on Hold tight, sweetheart You'll find a rainbow Baby, trust me, I know Life is scary, but just put those colors on, girl Come and play along with me tonight You gotta learn to let go Put the past behind you, trust me, I know The girls will try to find it, but just put those colors on, girl Come and paint the world with me tonight Night, night
Trust me, I know life is scary, but just put those colors on, girl. You gotta learn to let go. Put the past behind you. Trust me, I know the ghosts will try to find you, but just put those colors on, girl. Come and paint the world with me tonight. Oh, put those colors on, girl. Come and paint the world with me tonight. I was made to walk this path, but I will not walk it alone. I challenge you to write this in a place you will see it, to remind you that we are going through this together. everyone thank you so much for listening to this vespers especially in this time we are so grateful to Allie, and she is with us right now so i want to give her an opportunity to tell us about her and Allie, thank you for being here thank you i'm excited to do this i am Allie burke or alexandra burke but i'm recently married so most of you will probably remember me better as Allie knox I attended Blue Ridge Leader School for seven years, which is where I met my husband. And my Vespers comes from the life that I have experienced. The anxiety I was born with has been shaped and amplified by various traumas that I have endured. And the words and songs that I chose for the Vespers come from knowing that I need to hear these things too. I love that. So as you kind of wrote this Vespers, you were thinking about what you needed to hear versus what other people needed to hear. Uh, yes, and no. I was also thinking about some people that I know in my life who have benefited from some of these phrases just as much as I have, and kind of what I would be saying to them, more of like, here's advice that I should probably listen to but I know you'll also benefit from it. Yeah, no, I like that. I think that in my experience with Vespers and interviewing people, it, it seems as though the, the ones that hit the most, hit well, uh, uh, strike a chord with people, if you will, are right. the ones where there's an element of this is just as much for me as it is for anyone else. Because I think anytime we consider art in general, like when you're creating something, if it doesn't have an element of your story in it, it's it becomes blah, I don't, like in a way. Right. Uh, does that make sense? Is that yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cool. I, I I love that this is kind of your take on this. So tell me m more a little bit about what led you to want to write this. What led this to be a thing that you took on? Well, the 
Instagram story that you had up, I don't know, however many months ago. And I just saw how people were kind of realizing what a big deal anxiety and depression and mental illness is. And a lot of that has to do with society changing and accepting it as like a real thing. A lot of people still don't get it, but they still try to understand and show that they're aware. Yeah. And when you say it, you mean specifically anxiety itself? Mental illness in general. Okay. Yeah, I totally get that. Okay. So thinking about uh, this like impetus is the an Instagram story that the Best Purse Project shared. And I, I it was right after near the beginning of uh, lockdown. Yes. And uh, we were just we were trying to normalize the grief and the anxiety that people were feeling. And yes, uh, and the separation for sure was very different. And a lot of and everybody's uncomfortable with that separation. So trying to figure out how that affected everyone, really. Yeah. I, so I want to kind of follow that train a little bit. So tell me a little bit more uh, in, in your observations and your the people and the Instagram and the social media that you've seen. What are some observations just about mental health in general that you might have seen and witnessed during just lockdown, during COVID-19 and how it's kind of shaped what we're going through? Well, personal experience, I've had a hard time being social like now that we're in, you know, the different phases and, you know, things are opening back up, I've had a hard time just being social with one or two of my friends that I've been friends with for a long time. I'm having that anxiety of like, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Or maybe they don't feel that close to me anymore. And going through all of those kind of like early friendship thoughts again having that anxiety of just being around other people because I haven't been for so long. And so it's, it's a weird feeling of like, I want to be around these people. I want to be close to them, but how do I do that when I haven't done it in three months, four months? So what I'm hearing from you is the stories that you are telling yourself whether they are true or not, are manifesting as anxious yes. uh, feelings, mm-hmm. right? And so when you tell yourself those stories, how does your body react? Like, uh, like, do you feel anxiety in your body? And if so, like where and how? Or is it just a mental thing for you? Um, no, I definitely, I definitely feel anxious. My, my body um, feels uncomfortable. I... I can either feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I can just feel uncomfortable in whatever, you know, place we're at. Shortness of breath is a common one that that I'll feel just kind of like, okay, like I need to find a space to breathe, even though, you know, there's there's plenty of air. It's just yeah. in my head I can't get enough air. Yeah. I'll start to... Like, I'll play with my ring. I'll kind of, I don't know. It's its kind of different every time. It's sure, not sure. ever really the same thing. 
but it definitely it definitely manifests manifests wow <laughs> manifests itself uh physically yeah so yeah, I, for me when i'm feeling anxious mm-hmm. um typically what will happen is like i i notice i'm clenching my chest and so it, it mm-hmm. kind of is a similar feeling of um i don't even realize that i'm not breathing until i realize that my i'm holding my chest and right in my extreme cases of anxiety, I will have like irritable bowel and I won't be able to like use the restroom in a normal way. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, I noticed that a lot when I was in school and I had to perform. Um, I wouldn't feel nervous, but my body would be reacting more than my mind would. And yes. that was <laughs> really weird feeling for me where I was like, I feel fine. And then my body's freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, the the body keeps the score, right? The body is where everything is is real. Right. It's it's kind of like when you're backstage, you can see all of the people who are out there watching you, and you're like, oh no, I have to go out in front of all of them. But when you walk on stage, the lights are so bright that you can't even see them there anymore. So it's just like dress rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, if I'm gonna if I create a metaphor for that during during this lockdown. Um, that really strikes a chord with me in terms of, uh, and tell me if this is relatable for you, but mm-hmm. when we're like, oh no, I have to go out in public. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to wear a mask. I need to make sure I don't come near within six feet of people. I need to make sure that I'm not around people for the next two weeks because I have to go out in public and buy groceries. Like, And then so all these thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> then, like when we inevitably do see our friends social distancing and responsibly, uh, in the moment, we're like, great, this is awesome. It feels like normal. We're all here and it feels um, real. But it, like, again, that lead up to it is mm-hmm. what is that anxiety inducing thing. For sure. People, in, the people in grocery stores have gotten a little less careful. Oh, yeah. That's so true. <laughs> I, I can't go to the grocery stores right now. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I did not go because we were we were at Target the other day or something and having the mask on and then having all the people really close to me. Yep. I was just like, leave the groceries, get me out of the store. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be in here anymore. I have taken advantage of delivery groceries, I have to say. And it just is, uh, it's a cost a little extra. You have to tip the people, but right. Um, ultimately it's, it's way safer. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I don't do it all the time, but whenever I can do that, I make sure to, to see if that's available first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So I wanna I wanna dive into our vespers. So and about uh, your vespers. Um, <laughs> so let's you you start out with a song. So tell us about that first song. Uh, who wrote it? What's the song called? And then we'll we'll kind of go from there. Okay, the song is called "Unwell" by Matchbox Twenty, and it's almost it. It almost captures the basic thought process of now I can't say this for every like for all types of mental illnesses, but definitely for anxiety and wishing that things were different. Yeah. Um, that you didn't have this these voices in your head that tell you, you know, how awful you are all the time. And that it really captures being in quarantine too. Cause in the first verse, it talks about making friends with shadows on the wall. Yeah. 
I didn't, and, I didn't even realize that. That makes perfect sense. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but my favorite, my favorite line from that song is really just the chorus. Just reminding yourself that you're not crazy. Yeah, something's wrong with you, but something's wrong with everybody. Yeah. Most people can't tell because it's an invisible illness. A lot of people don't realize that it's that that a mental illness is just as debilitating as a physical disability. And so oh, interesting. I, I when I originally heard this song, I heard it differently. Mm-hmm. I heard it as almost like a defensive chorus saying, No, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. I like I know right now you can't tell that I'm not crazy. Right. <laughs> but like just wait a while, maybe then you'll see like a different part of me. And so like it mm-hmm. it's almost like a no, uh, 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 I'm not crazy. I'm just unwell. It's like a defensive and the way that you're describing it feels different. It's almost like a, I'm not crazy. I'm a little unwell. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it can, it's almost an acknowledgement of this is who I am in a, like, does that make sense? Yeah. And, uh, and it depends on the person. It could mean both. And that's, what's great about the song is it can be defensive. It can be an encouragement. It can be an awareness um, it can be an anthem if you need it to be. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what's great about the song. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell a pretty somewhat funny story of, at least I thought it was funny, of the, of the <laughs> song. Um, when I was really young, uh, I was in the car with my mom and we played a game where we were on the like on the radio and we were flipping stations and we were saying, oh, this next song represents you. This next song represents me. This next song <laughs> represents my sister. And we flipped it and this song came on and we both just busted out laughing because we're like, oh no. And then we immediately stopped the game because it was like, <laughs> nobody wants to be associated with this being your theme song. But at the same time, like some people can claim this as their theme song and it mm-hmm. be but I want to give people the option to claim it rather than assign it to them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But anyway, that's a little anecdote <laughs> about this song. So I, I laughed a little bit the first time I heard the Vespers <laughs> because I was like, oh. Because <laughs> 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 that's how I associate this song. Yeah. And I mean, that's a fun memory to have with it. <laughs> yeah. Playing a game with your family. That's fun. Absolutely. Okay. So after your song... Mm-hmm kind of dive into this um you express your need for people but also acknowledge being an introvert mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm gonna be real this is like me to my core um and so like I in quarantine have been thriving in a way because I I still have like I have a roommate I have access to uh, like I've done a few really awesome uh, together in quarantine classes with some mm-hmm. leaders that's been really successful and they're super cool and that's been a really excellent source of community and I'm like I'm thriving on that amount of like connection and sure do I wish I had more yes and um, I feel very blessed uh, in a way which also almost makes me feel guilty um, that I'm in, like, I'm frankly, I'm on unemployment and I'm making more money on unemployment than I was with a full time job and a part time job together. And 
most people are feeling that way. <laughs> and it's like, so I'm, I'm thriving. And I also am grappling with, like, the way that I'm processing it is that I'm feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to compensate for that loneliness in ways that is not solving the problem. And what I mean by that is, like, sometimes when I, like, go into lonely mode, I go into, like, Amazon shopping mode. And when I go into (laughs) lonely mode, I go into, I I try to stay as busy as possible. So I have been brewing soda. I've been brewing kombucha. I've started two sourdough starters with multiple loaves of bread baking. Like, so I'm staying busy. Just add it to the hobby list. Yeah, and exactly. So I'm combating loneliness with my hobbies, which Mm -hmm. I am growing and getting better at those things and not solving the whole problem. So I find myself, as soon as I have nothing to do, I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? I need to figure, like, how do I fill this time? And um, I'm starting to realize now that that is a symptom of my loneliness, which Mm -hmm. I did not realize at the beginning. And so I'm I'm just curious about your... uh, can, can you expand on like how you're feeling your need as an introvert for connection? Um, well, I mean, I'll be honest too. I'm a bad example of <laughs> that's okay. And feeling the need, um, of, you know, feeling the need for people. Um, like I said before, of I can give advice all day long, but that doesn't mean I'm going to listen to my own advice. I hear you. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading, which has been really fun and enjoyable because that's not something I've been able to do since I was a kid. Like, I've been able to just tear through books and finish, like, three books in a week, which, you know, I couldn't do that before quarantine I had to I had things to do I had to be busy I've been journaling a lot more which has been really good you know getting all the thoughts out then they're not trapped inside all day banging around I do a lot of laundry oh you know I I'm constantly finding things to clean or re-clean I also do that. Yeah, reorganizing everything. Like, I think I did spring cleaning, like, six times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a wonder we have any clothes left. (laughs) I've gotten rid of so many. Mostly, the need for people. I try and check in on people, but then I get it in my head that if I check on them too much... They're just going to be annoyed. Yeah. And then they're never the ones to check on me. Mm. And never's a strong word. Rarely. I'll go with rarely the ones to check on me. Because it's, it's the way the friendship is. Is I've always been like the mom figure of the group. Kids don't check on their mom. Yeah. Never ask their mom how they're doing. That's not... (laughs) That's not how it happens. And so I get it in my head that they don't love me and they don't really care. And Noah's like, no, they love you, but kids don't check on their mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's fair. So I've been, I've, try, I've been trying to do my best to 
kind of keep up the conversation with them and stay in contact with them. But one thing that I have noticed is even though everybody has more time, people are communicating less. <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, because the dominating story right now is that like, oh, I've been on 17 Zoom calls in the past 24 hours and like I've been doing all these things and um, that's a really fascinating take. I, I, tell me more about your observation on communicating less. Um, I mean, like I've seen, you know, people who have stayed, um, stayed in contact, you know, whether they've posted stuff and been FaceTiming and whatnot. But I've noticed that it's really only like, one in every five of my friends who has been just constantly on Zoom calls and all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of people are filling the need for people kind of in the same way that we are, just doing stuff, staying busy, not focusing on the fact that they miss their friends. Yeah. You know? They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just listened to a podcast recently on uh, the detriment of technology. The, for people who are interested in listening to the podcast, it's called You Have Permission. And it's, I forget what the episode was called, but um, I think it's Cut the Technological Umbilical Cord was the title. That sounds and nice. <laughs> the, the, the premise was that, maybe not the premise, but one of the lines that stuck out to me rather was that we're going to look back on technology, not all of it, but uh, a lot of the current technology that we're mm -hmm. utilizing in 50 years, the same way we look on cigarettes today. Oh. And I, if in some of the, some context for that is the, if you look at all the Silicon Valley CEOs of all of these um, games and apps and phones, et cetera, they don't let their children utilize those things. And if they do, it is with severe boundaries, unlike the rest of the human population. And the reason is they have the data and knowledge to know what, what they're doing and what it's causing. And it just makes me like hate the fact that I have my <laughs> phone with me at all times. Like I have been on my phone so much and I'm realizing how much of how little I'm utilizing it for its purpose which is to communicate mm -hmm. instead i'm using it to post on facebook and do x y and z on twitter and do like reddit and Scrolling i on pinterest exactly and <laughs> that is like and i'm <laughs> and that's been that's been really tough for me because it like i i'm addicted i'm gonna like i i will say it i am addicted to my phone and i literally it's worse than my sugar addiction. Like I'm addicted to sugar too, but like, I feel like I could quit sugar and I don't know that I have the capacity to quit using my phone. And so, um, I've just been feel called lately to, um, figure out how to use it less and, yeah. figuring uh, out your boundaries and limiting the time on it. Right. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that has also come up during quarantine is that I've had more phone calls with people and FaceTime 
uh, calls with people than I ever had before quarantine because I never called people because <laughs> okay, I uh, typically don't like phone calls, but um, I've had hour long phone calls with people yeah. and I've had uh, hour long FaceTimes in which is unheard mm. for me. And so it's, it's both, it's yes. And I think I, mm-hmm. I have been communicating more than I have in different ways, but also I have been communicating less in different ways. And I, I wonder how, how true that rings for other people as well. What are your, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, I don't really, I, I don't know. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's probably a 50-50 situation, you know, that people are communicating more because they don't really have another option, but also people are communicating less, too, because, well, they don't get to see their friends in person, so they fill the time with other things. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's probably 50-50 on on that. Yeah. Okay, on another note, uh, if I, if we continue following your Vespers, yeah, uh, one of the things that you say pretty soon after that was, you say only you can decide what safe place means for you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this feels really important to me because I, so many scenarios and places, especially in the work that I used to do with the Y, was like, we this is a safe place, and mm-hmm. tell me more about what you meant by that. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of places do get, um, presented as a safe place. They will say things like, oh, this is a safe place for you to, you know, let us know when you're having a bad day and, and things like that. But very rarely are, I'll say public places, uh, willing to follow through on that safe place statement, you know, workplaces, I mean, really work is kind of the top there because they'll say things like, oh, just let us know if you need to take a day and recover. But they're not actually willing to follow through on that. It's more of, well, you sold your soul when you, when you applied. So you gotta, you gotta do what, what we need you to do because we're the bosses. So we're, we know what's best. Yeah. You still have to come into work. Those kinds of things. It's so interesting because like that, that is a toxic work environment, right? Where the, the practiced values are not the professed values. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, it's terrifying because I've, I've worked in that. Right. And, I think what what makes that difficult is knowing where the people are coming from, especially if I think about it in terms of pandemic right now. I think um, employers who I can imagine an employer being really upset with an employee who, oh, it's we we just opened back up and they're like, nope, I'm sick or nope. I'm going to take some vacation time. And I'm like, this is not the time to do that. And like, you know, and so, but at the same time, it's like, it's their right. If that's something that they need. And so like, there's this pros and cons situation where I see how important this is for you. And that's just costing you more money as an employer. But the person who's the employer is the person of privilege. And so in that moment, it's their responsibility to be the 
bigger person. I hate that phrase, but um, I yeah, but I know I know what you're getting at. Of like, it's you don't live to work. You work so that you can live your life, so that you have the finances to actually live and enjoy life. Because just because you want to take a trip to, I don't know, Germany, doesn't mean you can. You have to be able to pay for it. But having a job doesn't equal selling your soul. And a lot of employers don't understand that. They live for their job. Noah's lucky enough to have an employer that does understand that. And understands that life comes first. Family comes first. And your job is just a job. I'm, I'm curious. What is your advice then? And uh, I'm not saying that either one of us is an expert on this, but just from <laughs> personal experience, like what is your advice for people who are in a work environment or in a, an environment in which those practiced values are not the professed ones? Like how do, how do you suggest that we move through that? Well, yeah, have creating that safe place. And that's not something that you want to create at work. And like I said in here, it can be a person or an actual place. If you have a person that you just immediately feel safe around them, you can be 100% vulnerable, let all of your walls down then make it a priority to have a conversation with that person every day. Whether that be in person, over the phone, FaceTime, whatever. Make it a priority to talk to that person at least once a day. If you live with that person, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm lucky enough to have that situation. But also creating a space, whether that be like a reading nook or your desk at home, not your office desk. That's not going to be your safe place. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not going to be your safe place. You can decorate it, do whatever you want, make it very you. But that's not going to be a place where you can just break down, where you can just let everything fall apart. And it's okay to fall apart there because either you're going to be able to put yourself back together because you're in that safe place and you've allowed yourself to fall apart, or your person is going to put you back together because you've fallen apart in front of them and they know how all the pieces fit together. Yeah, and beautiful. Yeah. If the workplace gets too toxic and they ask you to just grin and bear it and you know that you can't leave, you have that choice to leave. Even if it is what you thought your dream career was going to be, it's not worth you giving up your last bit of sanity yeah to hold on to that 
Yeah, and I think that's something that people struggle with uh, holistically. I think that's a very human struggle, and it's across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a a podcast I listened to. I've probably mentioned it before. It's called Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts. And mm-hmm. one of the hosts, her name is Vanessa. Her One of the things she preaches is like, quit. <laughs> is uh, if you don't, if you, there is, if you don't want to do it, then you should quit. And um, there's no shame in quitting. And um, it's a like, I heard that and I was like, yeah, totally. And then, of course, when I come to a point where I feel like I should do that, I'm like, no, 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 no. But I need to hold on because of all these things. But right. like, people aren't taught that enough. No, you don't want to be a quitter. But you also need to know that you have the power to remove yourself from a situation that's breaking you. Absolutely. 100%. Removing yourself doesn't make you a quitter. Yeah. And people aren't taught that enough. First. Let's, uh, let's hit song two. Um, so we got title artist, uh, and then let's figure it out from there. Okay, so um, the song is In My Blood by Shawn Mendes. And I'm just going to start with, this song gave me goosebumps. I had heard it before, but never really listened to it. And so when I was going through my Spotify playlists, um, I had picked a song, which was Head Above Water by Avril Lavigne. I picked that song and I played the like the song radio so that it would play songs that were similar to it Gotcha. because that song just didn't quite fit with what I wanted. And so I heard this song and just immediate goosebumps. And I was like, okay, I've got to use this song. And the line that hit me was someone help me i'm crawling in my skin sometimes i feel like giving up but i just can't it isn't in my blood and so going back to having that safe place having that safe person you don't people fight with not wanting to feel weak in front of that person Or, you know, you don't want to break down because you're telling yourself, it's not in my blood. I'm stronger than this. You know, I can do this. But it's okay to just let it all fall apart. Yeah. And that strikes me with the quitting conversation, too. Like, you are, you're allowed, like, you do not have to power through, right? Absolutely. And just because you ask for help, that doesn't mean you're giving up. Just because you're quitting doesn't mean you're giving up. You're here. You're healing. Every time you make a decision for yourself that puts you in a better situation, you're getting closer to healing. You're getting stronger. Yeah, I love that. So after the song, you talk about this... this, um, like I, maybe not specifically, but you talk about a, a cure-all, a magic bullet or something along those lines. <laughs> and 
Uh, just what? for curiosity's sake, if you had one magic bullet or one easy button, if you will, uh, what what's that problem? What problem would you solve? For myself or for all of humanity? <laughs> I think the humanity, like oh, world peace. No, no, no. Like give me the give me the real give me the real thing. What what would you push that easy button for? Um. Really, I would just get rid of my insecurities. And I mean, if I could do that for all of humanity, get rid of insecurities and just automatically have people love themselves and treat themselves the way they should be, you know, and just courage. Yeah, what a different world that would be. Yeah. Yeah. But... I go back and forth on it because even though I want to get rid of my insecurities and my anxiety, it's still a part of me. Like going back to unwell, being aware of like, this is part of who I am. And, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have anxiety and have made certain decisions because of it or met certain people because of it, my life would be very different. I mean, I don't think I would have been able to connect as deeply and as strongly as I did with certain people at Blue Ridge. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it gives you that, that common ground with certain people and, I mean, that's how I met Noah. One yeah. of my friends knew that I needed a hug, and he gives the best hugs on the mountain. <laughs> I will say that. And she introduced us, and it was just after Vespers one night. I was crying, and I needed a hug. And she's like, I know somebody. And that's how we met. We met second year. And it's. So it does. And it's because I had found a place that was safe where I could break down. And then I found a person who could put it all back together. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen the movie, um, have you ever seen About Time? I haven't. So it's on Netflix right now. And it's on HBO, I think. And uh, Mm -hmm. it is with... um, uh, what's his name? Gliam. Uh, anyway, uh, Bill Weasley is the main character. Yes. Rachel McAdams. And the premise is, without like giving anything away, it's like the premise is he and his, uh, the men in his family have a gift where they get to go back in time uh, within their lifespan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moral of the story is that without giving like really doesn't give the story away but there's a there comes a point where he has to make a decision and he goes back to fix something and it alters his life completely and it changes uh some things that he was completely unwilling to change so he had to go back and let that negative thing happen in order to be where he wanted to be in his life and the basic rules of time travel yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. But it's one of those things where it's 
it's a beautiful, it's probably my favorite movie. Um, it is a huge devotion all in one and like mm. a, an hour and a half movie. And it's just fabulous. Mm. But what you're talking about is really striking a chord with me. So like, e- even if, I, and I think that that's where people can, it's hard sometimes for people to express gratitude and feel gratitude for their, for their illness and for their mm-hmm. uh, mental capacity, whether that be uh, full or less than, but um, those diverse abilities that we have uh, <laughs> are what give us our lives and what those are, that's what builds the connections that we have. And you illustrated that beautifully with your story about Noah, but, I think that's the, it's those t- moments where if you realize what would be different if you didn't have that mental illness, that's yeah. where that gratitude can come in of being thankful for what you do have because of it. And it's not at all justifying like, okay, I'm glad I have this illness, but rather it's giving you a chance to appreciate what you do have. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know? Yeah. Oh. oh, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Moving on, uh, you then talk about how you really like delineate the difference between fighting our own battles mm-hmm. in your own way versus the this concept of like bec- just because you're fighting your own battles doesn't mean you're fighting alone. Mm. And I, I, I really love that delineation that you made. Can can you just elaborate on that for us and help us understand your thought process there? Yeah. So everyone does fight back against their mental illness in their own way because only you really know how to combat it. And also because mental illness doesn't affect everybody in the same way. So I'll use, I'll use myself and Noah again, just because I know our situations (laughs) when I have a depressive episode. It I it manifests in a way that kind of makes me standoffish and mean. I can't like I don't really feel anything except bad. I feel bad and I feel like I'm bringing him down. And so then I feel worse. And it's kind of this endless cycle of don't touch me, don't love on me, I don't deserve it. And that's how mine manifests. His manifests more in um, not so much that he feels bad about himself, but he just feels sad and he he doesn't want to be taken care of but think of like think of like a sad puppy that wants to be like wrapped up in a blanket and has these cute big eyes and you just want to cuddle him but he doesn't want to be cuddled he just wants to sit there and be sad so the way we fight against it is different we still have to kind of invade each other's space to get us out of that funk, but the thought process and fighting against it is different. But because we're 
like because we have the other person, we're not fighting against it alone. And then on a global scale, it's more of just knowing that other people out there experience some of the same things that you do. And knowing that you're not the only one who falls apart, who has anxiety attacks, who, you know, can only go to work two or three days a week instead of the, you know, five-day, eight-hour days. Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is all of us are fighting. Whether we are fighting mental illness or, we're, frankly, whether we're fighting the patriarchy, like, we're, we're all fighting in a way. And so, like, the human condition is that we are all struggling and we are, none of us are alone in our fight, right? And so, uh, for those of us who are struggling with mental illness, it's a realization that I'm not the only person with this condition. And... I am not alone and there are people out there who are struggling and there are people out there who are fighting through and that gives me hope because I know that I can continue to fight. Right. Right. And there are people out there who are, who are working to understand. And even though they don't know exactly what you're going through, They'll still fight alongside you and they'll fight for you to, you know, get you out of your funk and to, you know, help. It's a fight, whether you have mental illness or not, it's a constant fight of bettering yourself, being the best version of yourself. And I'll say this statement for myself instead of everyone who has mental illness, but my mental illness causes me to believe that I can't ever get better, no matter how hard I try. And that's just remembering that you're not fighting alone wins that one little battle for you. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to our third song. So, you know the drill. What's the title? Who's the artist? And... Uh, we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. So I have to start by saying that Daughtry and his music has gotten me through literally everything in my life. Um, the song is titled As You Are. And the whole song is my favorite line. I can't pick one line from the song. Sure. Uh because everyone needs to hear the words, I love you as you are. Not as you were, not as you will be, but where you are in this moment, you are loved. And I love that. <laughs> he. He tells a story around the song to frame that phrase. And I'm going to look up the lyrics a second. So I'm going to look up the lyrics so that um, 
I read it correctly word for word. So he starts by saying, um, he starts by saying, you're feeling isolated and all kinds of frustrated. Everyone has felt that in their life, whether or not they have mental illness. Everyone has felt isolated and everyone gets frustrated with that and frustrated with themselves. And don't worry about the hate. You don't fit in those boxes they create. And then this, this part goes back to being in your safe place, allowing those walls to come down, and having that person who is fighting the battle with you. And when you build those walls to keep you safe, it's like a prison you can't escape. You tear them down. You just might hear me say, I love you as you are. And so the story he's built around it is calming and gentle and convincing us that we deserve to be loved. And he's not saying that he might say it. He's saying that he's already saying it, but we can't hear because our walls are up. Yeah. So if we tear those walls down, we're going to hear him say that, but we have to tear them down first. We have to fall in, we have to fall apart so that we can hear it. He just has a way with words that blows me away. Yeah. I think that every time I, that was when, when I was working at summer camp, my first thing on the first night I would tell my trainees when I was at uh, resident camp was that mm. I love you. And it may not feel like it because we just like, we just met and I wasn't, I didn't just meet all of them, but for many of them, it was like, right. Probably don't believe me, but I'm going <laughs> to do my best over the next three weeks to prove it. And I want you to know that no matter where you are, who you are uh, and however you are right now, I, I care about you and I love you. And mm. There were there were moments where they hadn't heard that from anyone, mm-hmm. and uh, in, like including their parents. And it's so tragic to to think about that. Like, oh my God, what that what a humbling experience to hear that. But I think we can't do any wrong by putting more love into the world. And I think we have to mean it. I don't think we can just say it just to play mm-hmm. people. But I I think that if we can create a container in which people can believe us when we say I love you then we're making the world a better place love is an action not the feeling yeah there's a vespers on that (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes it's an action not a feeling and if you just have the feeling then and you don't do anything with it what's the good of having the feeling? Yeah, that, that, that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a line in Perks of Being a Wallflower where... Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> right? So where Hermione, uh, Sam, slash, uh, oh my God, Emma Watson says something, in the book it was written more, 
poignantly, but essentially like Logan Lerman has been like in love with her all year long. And she's like, why didn't you ask me out? You like, you have to, you have to hold my hand. You have to dance with me. You have to do these things. And he was like, but you told me not to. And it was just this really gorgeous thing of like, Oh, it's so beautiful. But y'all, if you want some, some stories around that like actionable things like that is a beautiful story and i highly recommend the perks of being a wallflower there's so many feelings it's such a good movie oh and a book it's a beautiful and book, book. yes but the, the movie does it justice so i i would recommend that's very not often is that true but i i think it did okay moving on uh, <laughs> so this i think plays a really nice segue you offer actionable ways on how to act on our needs and so like we have needs and if you don't act on them it's the same as like you having love but not acting on it right and so (laughs) the the examples you provide are like zoom workouts uh with friends or text messages to friends or etc so like i am i'm curious because there are going to be people who have this feeling like Mm -hmm. what do you say to the people who argue that it's just not the same like doing a Zoom workout with your friends is not the same as, you know, it's like text messages aren't the same as talking in person. Like, what what are your what are your thoughts on how to respond to something like that? Well, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to completely agree with them. It's not the same, but sometimes we just have to take what we can get. You know, I know people don't want to hear that because <laughs> I don't want to hear that. But I mean, hopefully with the lockdown phases starting will be able to, you know, break that, break through the screen, I guess. <laughs> but really, for a lot of people, like myself, I'm not ready to have, you know, a full-on coffee date with 15 people, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, I'm okay with still just easing my way into it yeah and so yeah sometimes you just have to have to take what you can get and find a way to and this is the hard part find a way to just have fun with it be positive about it and I'm saying this knowing that like I've done a terrible job with this and I've just gotten sad and upset that you know I can't see people and instead of doing something about it I just get more sad and upset yeah. <laughs> I say this completely aware that I'm not doing these things. It reminds me of the the quote from Voltaire, uh, his, so from Candide, where the quote is, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. And just because you can't hang out in person doesn't mean you shouldn't communicate at all, right? Right. Be, mm-hmm. like what is the best that we can do and you should do that even though it's not perfect but the perfectionist in all of us is like well if we can't do it why should we do it at all like I need to focus <laughs> right but like it's, right. <laughs> instead it's how, what can we do and how do we use that that little thing to make that big of a difference right um, yeah. don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good for sure yeah um, okay next you you do a really cool rephrasing of the concept of taking your time. And mm-hmm. I, I love how you give people permission because 
I, I think prior to this, I had think about like take as take is an action word. Take your time, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how you phrased it. You need to take it versus like when I typically use that phrase, it's like, oh, take your time, don't worry about it. It's a like, it's it's more of a a passive phrase. Yeah, it's exactly. It's less like, oh, don't like just it's okay, chill out, like so don't worry about it versus a no, do this, take your time. You need to um, do this for you rather than like, oh, right. you don't worry about me. It's more about do this for you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love how you kind of realigned that and reframed it. Can it, like, how did that come about? Where did that come from? That actually came from Noah. He tells me that almost every day, um, more and more often because of being stuck at home, um, you know, the time that I have at home by myself is my time and it's my decision what I do with it. And if I decide I just want to stay in my pajamas all day and binge watch TV, then that was my decision. That's what I've done with today. And I don't have to feel bad about that. Get it, girl. If I want to paint a mirror on the wall, then that's what I did today. And sometimes it's sometimes my decisions get made because of a lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. I might wake up, roll over, grab a book, and not leave the bed all day. Because I just, I don't want to get up. I don't want to really do anything. And it's still my decision whether I'm choosing to get out of bed or not. It's still a decision that I have made for myself. And that's okay. And those two phrases he says together all the time. He says, take your time do what you want with it and whatever you do with it it's okay this is you ever heard of mary oliver she's a writer um i would recognize something she's written more than her name probably likely so this is a pretty common quote it's what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life And this, like, your life, is, you have one wild and precious life. It is your time. This is yours, right? And so, like, you saying this really strikes that chord with me of, like, you have one wild and precious life, and you spending it on placating other people or doing what you think other people want you to do is just not worth it it is your life it is your time and you need to take it and utilize it and it's yours right and just like giving people permission to like say f you to (laughs) to the people who are trying to dominate your time right yeah ah that's so real wow yeah i love that i love it i've definitely had to learn that the hard way and hard way is being Every day he says it and it breaks down just a little bit more of that. Well, I have to do better. I have to be productive. I have to this. I have to that. Da, 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 da. And it 
every day it just breaks down a little bit more of that of no it's your time you do whatever you want with it (laughs) and i'm finally in a space where i'm understanding that and it's not an easy lesson to learn well i hear (laughs) you learning yeah uh approaching 30 and still learning that lesson so yeah and that brings us to our fourth song so tell us about this one so this song is rainbow by kesha and this song was actually introduced to me by a friend of mine and the line that strikes me every time i listen to it I have it on probably all of my Spotify playlists at this point. (laughs) Um, Is our scars make us who we are. And that's, that just goes back to your battle every, or every battle that you fought every time you've, you know, overcome every anxiety attack, all of that is part of who you are and if you took that magical cure-all you would you would lose those scars would you know would you still be yourself if you didn't have those scars and then there's also the i won't say it word for word but we're all a little messed up there's you know you still everybody's got something that they want to fix about themselves yeah but it's part of our story it's our path to walk our battle to fight no we're not fighting alone it kind of just sums everything up and it's not closure but but it kind of brings it all together and it's almost like started with an anthem and ended with a different kind of anthem i hear you they could both be an anthem but for different moods, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you're kind of taking us on this journey, right? You've walked us through the darkness, and now we're, hopefully we're seeing the rainbow at the end, right? And so right. it's like there. this is an anthem for where you could be, and this is an, uh, potentially an anthem for where you could be later. So uh, I, like, I like that. It's a nice progression. It's nice metaphorical through line you like this Vespers, go ahead and give us a shout out. You can find Allie on Instagram if you want. If you're not following us on Instagram, you can find us at The Vespers Project. You can also email us at thevespersproject at gmail.com and just share your thoughts on Allie's Vespers and uh, any point in our conversation, if you want to get in on the conversation and share some of your wisdom and thoughts or reflections on anything we said, we'd love to hear it. So Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thank you, Allie, for being a part of this uh, journey with us and sharing your personal uh, journey with uh, your mental illness and anxiety. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Vespers Project. Don't forget to shoot us a review on iTunes. Make sure you hit us up on Patreon. Send us your Vespers. Remember, you can connect with us by emailing thevespersproject at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you. We look forward to spending more time with you next episode. Until then, be well. Do good.